Good morning, everyone. Good to see you guys. Uh, I also just want to say one other thing. You probably noticed in your programs, just to piggyback off of what Steve mentioned, you'll notice that advertised with the start of our new services is also a work week that's going to be happening um, beforehand. Let me just talk about that real quick. Last week, if you were here, we gave just a quick update on our kind of our building progress. And we talked about how uh, last week there was five uh, different inspections that needed to be done. All those happened, all those passed. And then last week I told you we were just waiting for one thing, which was our occupancy permit. And so in order for us to legally meet in that space, uh, we needed an occupancy permit. And so I'm so happy last week we got the occupancy permit. And I was really happy yeah. about it. Yeah, you can clap for that because I was like, yeah, I slept well after we found out about that. So that was, that was good. So we're uh, legit legal to go over and meet in that space. Um, the only reason that we're not there currently is just practically speaking, we have a lot of stuff we have to move, a lot of things we need to get to re uh, get ready for that. And so because of that, we're issuing a work week. And uh, basically, um, that is going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, before we open on the 15th. Uh, there's details in your programs about the times and those things. And that's for anyone. So uh, if, you're, if you're interested in helping out, um, even if you're brand new and you're like, that sounds like fun, I'll, I could jump in on that, uh, we'd love to have you. We're just going to put some paint on some walls, set up some furniture, get the place cleaned up and ready uh, to, to uh, invite our community in, and we'll get a chance to do that. If you do plan on coming, I just encourage you to let us know that you are coming, and it'll help us to organize better, um, and there's some information how you can do that. Child care will be provided, but it's limited, and so if you can let us know what day you plan on coming, kind of ish, if you, if you plan on jumping in, that'd be awesome. And if you happen to have any particular skills uh, that would be useful to us, if you could let us know about that. That'll help us organize a little bit as well. One other thing I want to say about February 15th is that, uh, of course, it'll be the start of our new services. Um, it'll be our first weekend in our new space. It's also the beginning of a brand new series that we're going to be starting that day. And that series is going to be called My Life Changed When. I just want to tell you, we're really, really, really excited about this series. Um, that series is all about the moments that God tends to use to get our attention in life. And so uh, this is a great series. If you, if you happen to know anyone right now that you're talking with that's investigating Jesus, someone who's looking for a church or is disconnected from church right now, and you're looking for an opportunity to kind of invite them in, this is a phenomenal series for that. It's perfect for a person who's kind of investigating the whole God thing, the whole Christian thing, as we're going to talk about some of that. So I'd encourage you to do that if you want to. That's February 15th. You can invite them out. This is the first time that we've ever done a series as Grace Church at all of our campuses. And so all of our campuses are connected in this series. So you're not just going to be hearing from me. You're also going to be hearing from Pastor Jeff from our Bath campus, Pastor Dan from our Norton campus. And we're going to kind of leverage um, just the, the unique unity that we have um, being a multi-campus structure and be able to do that. So it's going to be an awesome series. I want to encourage you to kind of partner with that. Um, this week, we're going to continue in a series we started uh, about four weeks ago now that we've been calling Foolproof. And if you're just tuning in for this series, the kind of the basic gist of the whole thing is that we've been talking about the importance of wisdom. This whole series has been about wisdom. And we've been going to the book of Proverbs. It's an Old Testament book that's all about wisdom. And uh, we've been talking about the importance of and the pursuit of, uh, of wisdom as we kind of go through this together. And not only have we been talking about the importance of wisdom in this series, we've also been talking about how the value of wisdom for many of us is something that we underestimate. And many of us underestimate the value of wisdom. In fact, if you're with us uh, in, in any week in this series, the big idea that we've been communicating and revisiting each week is quite simply this. We said that oftentimes we desire the result of wisdom when what we really need is wisdom. Right? Oftentimes we desire the result of wisdom. We want the result of wisdom. What we truly need is wisdom. So we've been talking about that. We've been saying for, for many of us that if, 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 we were to, if I was to ask you what do you think would improve your life or what do you think would, would lead to flourishing in this life? 
many of us would answer that question with a change of circumstances, right? So if I asked you what would, what would help you flourish in life right now, some of you would say, well, if I had a change of job, if I had a different job, if I had the career that I dreamed of, then I would flourish, then I would find happiness in this life. If some of you said, if I have a relational change, if I have a relationship status change, if I had a girlfriend, if I had a boyfriend, if I had a husband, if I had a wife, right? That would, that would improve my life. Um, that would help me flourish in this life. Some of you say, if I could change my financial situation, if I just had some more money, um, that would help me flourish in life. If I could just lose 20 pounds, if I was in the shape that I wanted to be in, that would help me flourish in life. And so for many of us, we direct a lot of our energy and our attention and our pursuit in a change of circumstances. And what we've been saying in the series is, man, a change of circumstances can be really helpful and it can be really healthy but, but what we said is, even though a change of circumstances can be a healthy thing and a helpful thing, ultimately it's a secondary thing, right? And so what we've been saying in this series is what we truly need is, is something, we need the ability to flourish in life regardless of our circumstances. We need the ability to flourish in life outside of and inside of any circumstance that life throws at us. And this is what we said is wisdom. That wisdom is primary, circumstances are secondary, according to what we see in Scripture. In fact, if, if you've been with us, we defined wisdom. Uh, the book of Proverbs really gives us a great definition. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom, quite simply, is the skill of living. It's the skill of living. It's the ability to navigate life in a skillful way. It's the ability to flourish in life, regardless of, inside of, and outside of any circumstances that I might face. And so it's because of this that we've been saying, wisdom is something that all of us need more than we know. And our hope has been that as we pursue it together in the book of Proverbs, that near the top of our list of things we're pursuing in 2015, that for everyone in Grace Church, that wisdom would be near the top of that list. Now, let me just say that was a brief overview of what we covered in the past four weeks. And so if anything I just said right now piqued your interest and you missed the, the previous weeks, I would strongly encourage you, go to our website and uh, check out those previous sermons in this series. So you can either download our podcast, subscribe to that, listen to it when you're running at the gym, or listen to it on your drive to work. Or if you want to, you can go to our website. You can watch the videos if you want some eye candy. Um, you can do that and uh, <laughs> check that out if you want to. Just catch up if you want to. Anyway, so today what we're going to do is we're going to continue talking about this pursuit of wisdom. And what I want to do today is I want to look at a major theme that we see all throughout the book of Proverbs, and I want to talk about some very, very practical but important principles that the book of Proverbs gives us as it relates to decision-making. All right, that's where we're going today. I want to talk about the idea of pursuing wisdom and some of the important principles that we see in the book of Proverbs. You're going to see them all over the place when you read Proverbs as it relates to decision-making. Now, I'll just tell you from the very beginning of this conversation that this week's conversation and next week's conversation dovetail very well together. And so if by the end of our talk today, you feel like, man, that was helpful, but I feel like there's more to the conversation than what we talked about today, you're absolutely right. And so next week, I'd encourage you to come back because we're going to kind of finish the rest of this conversation. But today, I, I want to talk about some of the principles that Proverbs gives us, some of the insights and some of the instructions that Proverbs gives us as it relates to decision-making, all right? Now, this, of course, I probably don't need to tell you, is a very important topic uh, because it relates to every person in this room. One thing that all of us have in common, right, regardless of your age, whether you're younger or you're older, uh, regardless of your religious status, whether you're a person that would say you're a Christian or whether you're investigating Christ or whether you come from a different faith background, right, whether you're, you know, a Seahawks person or a Patriots person, wherever you go on this thing, the one thing all of us have in common in this room today is that all of us are confronted every day with a number of decisions. It's the one thing we all have in common. 
We all make decisions, and we're all faced with hundreds, if not thousands, of decisions every day, right? And some of them are very small, like what am I going to eat for breakfast today? Or what am I going to wear to church? Or what route am I going to take to church so I don't slip off the road this morning? You know, or, or at the Super Bowl party, is it going to be jalapeno poppers or buffalo chicken dip? You know, which one's it going to be today? <laughs> to the little decisions, to the big decisions. Some of you are facing really big decisions right now. What career path am I going to take with my life? Uh, maybe you're considering changing career paths in your life. What school am I going to go to? Who am I going to marry? What about retirement? All those things. And the thing that's true about all of us is that we are all confronted, big and small, with hundreds, if not thousands, of decisions every day. What Proverbs is going to give us is some really, really, really great insights in how to make great decisions. How do we navigate through life and make great decisions? And what Proverbs is going to tell us, I think this is so fascinating, Proverbs is going to show us that the key to making great decisions, that making great decisions includes much more than simply knowing right from wrong. That making good decisions is way more than just making a right decision or a wrong decision. And here's what I mean by that. Making great decisions, most of the decisions that we make, involve much more than morality. All right, now, now let me phrase it this way. If you guys were with us a couple weeks ago, we were defining wisdom. And we said wisdom is not knowledge. It includes knowledge but it goes further than knowledge. And we're just trying to help understand what is wisdom. We also said wisdom is not morality, right? Right from wrong. So, so wisdom is not just doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. We said it includes morality, but it's more than that. We said wisdom is the skill of living. It includes those things, but it goes further than those things. And here, here's what I found as it relates to decision-making. As it relates to decision-making, decision-making, good decision-making includes much more than simply knowing right from wrong. And you and I know this, Right? We all know that there are some decisions in life where the choice is either blatantly right or blatantly wrong. There are some choices in life that are like that. And that's especially true if you're a person who follows Jesus. For those of us who believe that the Bible is God's word, uh, the Bible really kind of spells out for us what's right and what's wrong. It tells us what's sinful and what's righteous. And so, for example, right, the Bible says we should love our neighbors. That's right. Right? That's a good thing that God wants us to do. We should not murder our neighbors. Right? It's a bad thing. Just in case you didn't know that, don't murder your neighbor. Right? That's a sinful thing according to Scripture. The Bible tells us it relates to our possessions and our finances, that we should be generous. That's a good thing. That's a righteous thing in God's eyes. We should not steal from other people. That's a wrong thing, right? This is black and white, right and wrong. This is morality. And the truth is, there are some decisions that we make where the choices that we are confronted with are either blatantly right or they're blatantly wrong. But here's the problem. The problem is that 80% of the decisions that we make in this life, and I'm just throwing that number out there. It could be more than that. I don't know. 80% of the decisions that we make in life have nothing to do with that, right? They're not right or wrong. They are not black or white. It's not like if I go this way, it's right, and that way is wrong. Many of the decisions that we face are completely amoral. There's no intrinsic moral worth to the decision itself, right? So, for example, if you're a person right now who's trying to determine if you want to change careers or what career path you're going to take, right? It, it, as you do that, that is an amoral decision, right? So, so if you're like, I want to, uh, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to, if I'm going to go into carpentry or if I'm going to be a business owner, I'm not sure which way I'm going to go. Well, you're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says like, thou shall not be a carpenter, you know, and, and, or, you know, if you're a Chick-fil-A owner, then, then you're of the devil. Like you're not going to find that 
in the Bible. It's not there. Why? Because, because career is not a moral issue, right? There's no intrinsic moral value in a job, intrinsically. Uh, think about if you're trying to determine what college you're going to go to. Some of you are in that place right now. You're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says, if you go to Miami of Ohio, then you clearly are walking in iniquity before your Lord, you know? But if you go to the Ohio State University, you've done right in the eyes of God, you know? You're not going to find that verse. It's not there. Why? Because there's no moral intrinsic value to a college or to a university, one over the other. You're not going to find that in Scripture. Think about the food that we eat, all right? Food, the substance, in and of itself, has no intrinsic moral value, right? So it's not like, it's not like pizza is more sinful than broccoli, Right? And all God's people said, amen. Right? It's like, it's not, that's not the case. Right? You're not going to find that anywhere. It's not like a hamburger is sinful and a salad is righteous. Right? This, is, this is not there. And, and when you go to the Bible, you're not going to find any restrictions against food, except for in the Old Testament. You're going to find Jewish dietary restrictions, which the Bible tells us in the New Testament, those have been banned. So you're not going to find that. The only food that we know for certain comes from God and his manna from heaven is bacon. That's the only one that we know for sure without a doubt, right? But you're not going to find a verse that prohibits food. You're not going to find a verse that says, thou shalt not eat the water chestnut because the Lord your God detests the unexpected crunchiness of the water chestnut, right? Not going to find that, right? It's not in there. Our possessions, the, like uh, the cars that we drive, the houses that we live in, those things, there is no intrinsic moral value to a home. There's no intrinsic moral value to a piece of steel with wheels to a car, right? How do you determine what car to get? You're not going to find a verse that says, thou shalt drive a Kia, but thou shalt not drive a Prius, right? You're not going to find that in there. Unless you have a camouflage Bible, then it probably does say, thou shalt not drive a Prius, you know, only drive a truck. But whatever it might be, right, you're not going to find it. The zip code you live in, there's no moral attachment to a zip code. It's not like if you live in this zip code, you're holy, and if you live in this zip code, you're a sinner. You're not going to find that in Scripture. So here's the real question then. If 80% of the decisions that we make in life, or more, are in this gray area where there's no intrinsic moral value and, and the moral rules don't apply, it's not about right or wrong, how do you navigate that 80%, right? And this is where I believe Proverbs helps us. This is where wisdom comes in. This is where we need wisdom more than anything. And the Bible's going to tell us that wisdom is the skill of making decisions. It's more than morality, and it's more than knowledge. Right? It's the ability to make great decisions every day in your life. How do we do that? And Proverbs is going to help us. Today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that introduces us to uh, one of the major themes as it relates to decision-making in the book of Proverbs. We find it all over the place, but I want to show you one place in particular. It's Proverbs chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, you take them with me. Let's open to Proverbs 7 this morning. Proverbs 7 is going to be found on page 442 in those Bibles that we have laid out there for you. And so if you, didn't, if you don't have a Bible of your own or you didn't bring a Bible, you could just go ahead and flip there if you want to. Let me also say, it's probably a good point to say this, that um, as you're turning in those Bibles, if you're a person that just flat out doesn't own a Bible, like you just don't have one in your house, just do me a favor personally, all right? Would you just take one of our Bibles? Take one. Make it a gift from us to you, all right? Write your name in it. We think it's really important that you have a Bible. Even if you're a person that doesn't believe in the Bible, here's the good news. One of the requirements to read the Bible is not that you believe it. And so you can take it. I'd encourage you to grab that, make it a gift from us to you, and you can get there that way. Or if you want to get there on your smartphone or your iPad or whatever, um, however you want to get to Proverbs 7, I'd encourage you to, to get there. Now, as you're flipping to Proverbs 7, let me give you a little bit of the backdrop 
before we dig into this. So some of you might remember, little review a couple weeks ago, as we've been talking about Proverbs, we said the book of Proverbs is primarily written by this guy Solomon. So Solomon was a king over Israel. We're told that he was the wisest man in the world this time. And what we're told is that he's writing this, this, this book, the book of Proverbs, to impart wisdom to his son. So he's kind of writing to his son, and he says, I want to give you practical wisdom. That's the whole point of the book of Proverbs, is to give his son um, wisdom. Now, what we're going to see in Proverbs chapter 7 is that Solomon is going to give a very particular circumstance to his son um, that relates very specifically to um, the struggles that oftentimes come with being a young man. All right, so I just want you to know that, that what we're about to read is kind of a custom-made scenario that Solomon uses to teach his son wisdom in an area of life that oftentimes applies to the struggles that coincide with being a young man. Now, having said that, what I want you to know is that while for you, while the circumstance might not be one that applies to you, I believe the principles that we learn in this passage are, they apply to everybody, all right? And so what we're going to see in this passage, I'll tell you one more thing and then we'll jump in. When you read this passage, I want you to kind of see this. It sort of reads like a movie. You guys ever watch like a suspenseful movie where the, the character, you watch the character making decisions and the whole time you're watching it, you're thinking, oh, don't do that. Do you guys ever watch a movie like that? Like They're like, I heard a loud noise down the hall, down that dark alley with no lights. Uh, there was a blood-curdling scream. I'm alone. I'll go check it out, unarmed. You know? You're like, don't do that. And, and that's kind of how this passage reads. And so I want you to read this because you're going to watch this, this young man make some decisions that eventually lead him to a place of total disaster. All right, so let's check this out. We're going to start in verse 6. So Solomon writes to his son. We'll read the whole thing, and then we'll circle back around and explain it. He says, at the window of my house, I look down through the lattice. So he's looking out his window. He's watching this scenario take place. Imagine it like a movie. All right, checking this out. I saw among the simple... I noticed among the young man a youth who had no sense. Now, I'll just pause there real quick. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, you might remember we talked about this character, the simple. He shows up a lot in Proverbs. The simple, if you remember, is a person who lacks wisdom, but it's not because they're being rebellious or arrogant or disobedient. It's simply because they don't know any better. And so Solomon says, I was looking out my window one day, and I saw this young dude. He had no sense at all. He was just clueless. And then he talks about what he does. Watch this. Says in verse 8, he was going down the street near her corner. Whose corner? Who's she? Let's have to keep reading. Walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Verse 10. And then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. Okay, so you see where this is going. Verse 11. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and she kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, Today I have fulfilled my vows and I have food for my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. So I looked for you and I found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey and he took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home till full moon. With per persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, and all at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. That's a crazy story there, right? And what you see in this story, of course, is you see Solomon depicting a story of a young man 
and the Bible kind of explains the situation. I probably don't need to go into details. My guess is you probably figured out what happened there. But basically, this young man makes a series of decisions that leads him to a place of total regret and a place of absolute destruction. It leads to a place where he ends up doing something very wrong. And my guess is that this is a decision that this young man made that he will forever look back on and regret that he will forever look back on and wish he could take back. This is a decision that, that he's making at the end of this passage that's not only going to lead to hurt in his family, but also is going to harm the family of the woman that he was involved in. Right? Now, now, here's why I show you this passage, because I want you to see something, and I think Solomon is so brilliant with the way he does this, is that as we watch this scenario like a movie, right, like from a bird's eye view, and we watch this take place, even though we see that this situation ends in regret and ends in disaster. Solomon lets us in and he shows us that that, that that disaster didn't just fall out of the clear blue sky. That there was a series of decisions that were made that led to this place of disaster. That there was a sequence of events that, that had nothing to do with morality that were neither right nor wrong, had nothing to do with that, that led to a place of eventually doing something wrong and self-destruction and deep regret. Let me show you what I'm talking about. All right? I'll just put them up on the PowerPoint to highlight it again. But you notice in verse 8, so Solomon says, I saw among the simple, there was a man who had no sense. And he says, what he says in verse 8, he was going down the street near her corner. All right, now let me ask you a question real quick, just real fast. Is there anything sinful... Is there anything wrong? Is there anything immoral about taking a walk down a street? What do you think? No, right? Is it sinful to go for a walk down the street? Mm -mm. Sinful to, to go get some air? Anything sinful about one street over another? Anything moral about pavement? No, right? And, and, and we see that this whole sequence of events starts with this decision. Then watch what happens in verse 8 again. Here's the next part. Walking along the, the direction of her house. Let me ask you another question. Is there anything sinful about directions? Right? Like, is there a moral side to the compass and an immoral side to the compass? Is it like, if you go northeast, that's where God lives, and if you go southwest, that's where the devil and Nickelback are? Like, is that the way it works with the whole thing? Is there anything sinful about going a direction? No. Nothing immoral about that. Look at verse 9. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything sinful about twilight? And I'm not talking about the book series. That's a whole other conversation for another day. Right. Is there anything sinful about a time of day? Is there one hour of the day that's more holy than another, that God is more present than another? No. This is, these are not issues of morality here. Look at verse 14. Verse 14, she says to him, I have food from my fellowship offering at home. Most commentators agree that what she's doing here is she's saying, I have leftovers. You want to come in and have dinner? They ask you guys a question. Is there anything sinful about dinner? Man, I hope not. I love dinner. I plan on eating dinner tonight. I eat dinner every day. I love dinner. Anything sinful about dinner? No, no, no. Nothing sinful about dinner. But what you see is that a series of these decisions that were made back to back to back to back to back aimed somewhere, they led somewhere, and ultimately ended in a place of deep regret, of deep immorality, of, of something that eventually turned to be wrong. Now, here's my guess about you and your guess about, and the only reason I think this is probably true about you is because I know it's true about me. I'm not exempt from this. But my guess is that when you look back, when I look back to my moments of deepest regret in this life, and we all have them, right? 
When you look back to the moments that you regret, the, the ones that, man, you wish you could go back. You wish you could erase that decision. You, you wish you could erase that night. You wish you could erase that relationship. You wish you could erase. My guess is at the moments in your life that you regret the most, that if you look back on them in hindsight, that you notice that there it did not fall out of the clear blue sky. There was a series of events and a series of choices and a series of decisions that were neither right nor wrong morally, but they ended up leading you to a place of deep regret and of self-destruction. Let's give you some hypotheticals on this. So for example, right, working together late alone with another person, working late with another person, anything wrong with that? Anything sinful about working late at the office alone with another person on a project? No, not necessarily, right? Nothing sinful. You're not going to find a verse on it in the Bible, right? It's late. You know, we're both professionals. There's a big project. We all know sometimes you've got to go the extra mile. Working together on this project late, right? Anything wrong with that? No. Anything sinful about joking? Anything sinful about, you know, we're working hard and we can't be serious all the time. Just joke around a little bit. Maybe kind of goof off with each other. Is that anything sinful about that? How about dinner? Anything sinful about dinner? We already covered this. No, right? Nothing wrong about getting food. It's fine. Dinner's a great thing, right? Anything sinful about sharing your personal problems with a friend? Any, problem? Any problems with discussing personal problems, including my family, maybe, maybe work, maybe even problems in my marriage? Anything sinful about that? Listen, here's the thing. You and I all know that this sequence, of, if we were to watch a television show and you were to see this sequence of events, or if you were to watch a movie and you were to see this sequence of events, we all know where that's going. We know exactly where that's going. And my guess is, when you look back at those moments that you regret the most, there was a series of decisions that took place that in retrospect you think, I should have seen it coming. It did not just fall out of the clear blue sky. And so for some of us, we look back at our deepest moment of financial regret. Like, man, I should have seen that coming. That, it did not fall out of the clear blue sky. We look back at our, our deepest moment of sexual regret. It did not fall out of the clear blue sky. We look at our biggest decision that we regret the most about addictions that now we carry into our current situation right now. It did not just fall out of the clear blue sky. There was a series of decisions that led up to that point. Look, here's what I found in my life, and I think you've probably found this in yours too. I have never met anybody who plans to live their life with regret. I've never met anyone who plans to blow up their life. And my guess is you haven't either. I, I've done, uh, one of the things I did before I worked here at the Medina East Campus is I used to work at our Bath Campus at Grace Church at Bath as the college pastor. And so I did that for seven years. Absolutely loved it. My wife and I loved it. But I remember one of the unique things that we got to do is because we were in college ministry is we were involved in so many weddings. So we got a chance to watch couples meet and we got to watch them date and then get engaged and we get to be part of the premarital counseling. It was just so fun to be part of that. But let me tell you one thing I've never heard in a premarital counseling session. I've never heard a couple say, you know what our plan is? This is our plan. We want to have an awesome wedding, right? It's going to be really cool. It's going to be very Pinteresty. And then uh, after our wedding, for five years, we're going to have a great marriage. But then after year five, our communication is going to break down. This is our plan, right? And our hope is that we can eventually kind of get cold in our relationship. And then maybe by year 10 or something, I'm going to have an affair. But we're going to have kids then, so it's going to be super messy. And then we're going to go through a lot of crazy stuff and get counseling, but eventually it's going to end us splitting. That's our plan. That's our plan for marriage. Never heard anyone say that because no one plans to blow up their marriage. I have never met someone who said, you know what my financial plan is? I want to go out and spend way more money than I have. 
want to swipe my credit card like crazy. My goal is that by 28, I have $50,000 of consumer debt. Compile that on top of my, of my student loans. And man, I'm just going for the record here. That's what I'm going for. That's my goal in life financially. Never met a person who said that. I never met a person who said, you know what my goal is? Here's my goal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start drinking occasionally with my friends. But then my hope is a little bit later in life, I'm really going to pick up my game and drink a bunch more and eventually be an alcoholic. That's my plan, right? Now, now hear me, please. I am not making light of those things because for some of you, that is your story. To some extent, that's your story. And the truth is, all of us have moments that we regret like that. But here's what I found. Nobody, and you and I can probably attest to this, no one plans for that. The things that you regretted the most, that wasn't part of the plan. And here's what I've learned. That while many of us don't plan, when, when many of us don't plan to blow up our lives, many of us don't plan not to blow up our lives. And here's what I mean by that. If the, only, if the only way that we temper our decision-making process, if the only question we ask ourselves, if the only filter that we ask in any decision is simply, is it right or is it wrong? If that's the only question we're asking, then we run the risk of putting ourselves in a very dangerous place where at any point we are one decision away from utterly wrecking our lives. It's a dangerous place to be. So it's for that reason that Proverbs teaches us, and I believe there is a more important question that we need to ask before every decision that we make. The question we should ask before every decision is not simply, is it right or is it wrong? The question we should ask is not simply, what is everyone else doing? Which, by the way, that is a terrible way to make decisions. The best question we can ask is real easy. It's just this. Here it is. Is it wise? Is this decision wise? Andy Stanley, phenomenal communicator, pastor, and author down in Georgia, he said it so well. He said, the best question that we can ask before any opportunity, before any invitation, and before any decision is just real simple. Is it wise? Not is it right, not is it wrong. Of course we need to ask that question, but 80% of our life has nothing to do with that, right? Not what is everyone else doing. The question we need to ask before anything, any decision, opportunity, invitation is so simple. It's just this. Is this wise? And you guys, listen, if, if, if the guy in Proverbs chapter 7, if he would have just asked that question, we wouldn't be reading Proverbs chapter 7, right? If he would have just been like, instead of asking, is it right or wrong to go down this street? He should have asked, is it wise to go down this street? Is it wrong to go in this direction? has nothing to do with morality. Is it wise to go in that direction? Is it, is, it, is it sinful to have dinner with a person? It's the wrong question. Is it wise? That's the question that we need to learn how to ask. See, for many of us, when we approach decision-making, we ask, is it right and is it wrong? And then we ask, how far can I go? And I'll just tell you, you know, I, I was mentioning that I worked back in the college ministry. We, I saw this all the time. You know what the number one question I got from college students when I was in college ministry was? You could probably guess. Here, here's what the question was. The number one question I got. How far is too far? It's the question I got. And so they would, I would get this question. They'd come up to me and they'd say, so, you know, I understand what the Bible says about sex and stuff. And, like, I get the whole, you know, like, God, like premarital is off limits and I understand all that. And, you know, I want to honor God in my relationship. But here's my question to you, Pastor Tony, you know. Um, Honorable Pastor Reverend Tony, here's my question to you, right? Like, how far is too far? Like, I know that, like, I know that premarital is like that's that's like that's regret. That's like you're gonna hurt yourself. That's like not God's not like kosher with that. That's not good. But like, so like, where's the line exactly? Right? Where's the how far is too far? And then they would give me situations. What if? What about this? 
What about that? Is that wrong? And I would look at them and I'd say, you're, you're asking the wrong question. The question shouldn't be, um, where's the edge of disaster and how close can I get to it? It's not the best question, right? Uh, I remember in college, people would come up to me and say, Tony, I know, um, like, you know, in the Bible, it says, like, a lot about debt, talks a lot about, like, good financial management and generosity. I understand the Bible teaches a lot about that. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. So here's, here's the line of financial disaster, right? My question is, how close can I get to that? Like, how much can I spend? And I always look and I'd say, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. It'd be, it'd be like you and me hanging out, and I was like, be careful, over there is a cliff with a 500-foot drop under craggy rocks with water filled with explosive sharks. I don't know, it's just for the sake of illustration. And, and your question would be, oh, that's awesome. How close can I walk to the edge? It's mean, the wrong question, right? The question should not be what's right or wrong or how close can I get without destroying myself. The question needs to be, is it wise? Am I doing the wise thing? Let me give you a couple verses. Like I said, you find this all over Proverbs. I'll just give you three really helpful verses. Proverbs chapter five, verses seven to eight. Solomon says to his son, now then, my sons, listen to me. Don't turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. He's talking about the same woman in Proverbs chapter seven. Keep a path far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. You see what he's talking about here? He's talking about wisdom. This is not morality. Right? Is there anything sinful about walking a path? No. Is there anything sinful about a door? No. But there, look, the morality is not the right question. Is it right or wrong? Is it wise to go near her house? Is it wise to go up to her door? Is it wise for you to put yourself in unnecessary points of temptation? That's what he's saying. It's not wise. You've got to ask the question. Is it wise? Check out Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 to 28. This is a great word picture, by the way. I love this. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Which, by the way, I've never seen anyone do that before. I kind of would like to. You just imagine that. Oh, here's some fire. Guess I'll scoop that up and put it in my lap. You know? <laughs> never seen it. Can a man scoop fire in his lap and not expect not to get burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Here's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, son, you can't, you can't play with fire and expect that you're not going to get burned. You're going to. The question shouldn't be, how close can I get the dangerous fire to me? The question should be, what's wise in relation to this very dangerous thing? It's a great thing in its right place, but it's a dangerous thing when it's in your lap, right? And he's like, how do you do that? Wisdom, wisdom. Look at this next one, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. We looked at this a couple weeks ago, but it's so good. It's, It's totally worth looking at again. The prudent see danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty By the way, the prudent, like we talked about, that means a person of wisdom, a person with good judgment. The Bible says the prudent person sees danger. They say, ah, there's a cliff over there. Oh, there's there's regret over there. There's there's, there's destruction over there. And the Bible says they see danger, and you know what they do? They take refuge. They say, what can I do to, to put a barrier between me and that destruction so that I do not fall off that edge? But the simple, the Bible says, keep going, and they pay the penalty. And that, by the way, is exactly what happens in Proverbs chapter 7 with that young man. He should have seen it coming, but he kept going, and he paid the penalty. Now, like I said, next week, our conversation is going to dovetail very well with this week, and so I I I encourage you to come back. But this week, as we finish out, I just want to give you one challenge. That's it. For this whole week, one challenge. And it's a fairly simple challenge if you'd be willing to take it. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. 
I want you to simply ask this question. All right? I want you to ask the question, is it wise? Okay, before every decision, before every invitation, before every opportunity, just ask the question, is it wise? Now, some of you, if you're like me, you're like, that's a really good idea. I'm going to do that. And then if you're like me, by tomorrow, I'll forget. Okay? And so as a way to try to help you make it sticky, um, we decided to give you a little bit of a reminder. So you'll notice uh, in your programs, attached to your program, there's a little sticker. It just simply says, is it wise? This is my wife's idea. She's way smarter than me. And uh, so it says, is it wise? And here's what my challenge to you. All right? I want to challenge you to take this sticker and I want to challenge you to put it somewhere that's going to remind you to ask that question. Now, now, here's the thing I really want to challenge you to do. I want you to challenge you specifically to put this sticker in the place where you personally need it the most. All right? The truth is, for many of us, we need wisdom in some areas of our life more than others because we have temptations in that area that are unique to us. And so, so for some of you, you need to take this sticker and you need to put it right on your credit card. Just put it right on your credit card. So next time you go to the store to buy something or next time you, you pull it out to buy something off of Amazon Prime, which unfortunately it remembers your credit card number, but uh, if you go on there, this, this will just force you to ask the question. Is this wise? Not is it right or wrong to buy this thing. Not is it, what, it, what does everyone else have? You know, what, what, what does my friend have? But is it wise for me to buy this, to make this purchase right now? Maybe you gotta put it on your credit card. For some of you, you need to take this, you need to put it on your computer somewhere. And every time you open your laptop, this is a reminder to you to ask the question, is this wise? Is this a good use of my time? Do I really need to be on Facebook right now? Is this wise right now? Is this a wise form of entertainment to put before my eyes? For some of you, is it wise for me to be alone with this computer right now, knowing my temptation and knowing my past struggles? Is this wise for me? You need to force yourself to ask that question. Some of you need to put it on your television. Some of you need to put it, I don't know, somewhere, put it on your dashboard, put it on your mirror. Some of you are like, can I just have one to put everywhere? That'd be great. You know? Some of you are like, can I put on my husband's face? Because I don't want to say anything I regret to him. So I just want to. And the answer is, with his permission, yeah. I, I think my wife would like to do that with me, but I'm way too greasy. It wouldn't stick. So it's good. But ask the question, is it wise? Take that, all right? And here's the thing. My guess is that probably like, I'm, make, I'm making up a lot of percentages today, but my guess is that 85% of the time, you're going to know the answer to that question. You're going to be like, yeah, th- I, that's not wise. That's dumb. And sometimes, yeah, that's totally wise. Sometimes you're not going to know if it's wise or not. And in those times where you're not sure, here's what I would challenge you to do. Just flat out challenge you to do it. In that moment, pray and ask God to give you wisdom. You know, the Bible says in James chapter one, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God and God will give generously. But when you ask, you should not doubt that he will answer you. In that moment, if you don't know, ask him. I believe it's a question, I believe it's a prayer that God is desperate to answer. He would love to give you wisdom if you'd be willing to take it. And listen, for some of you, you're gonna see that sticker, you're gonna ask yourself the question, and you're gonna keep on doing the thing that you know is unwise. And if that's the case, I just want you to know, I think you just owe it to yourself to know that. I think you just need to owe it to yourself to know that you are making a foolish decision over a wise decision. And even if you choose foolishness, I think at least you, you owe it to yourself to know it, that you're the one who's making that decision and owning it. All right? So ask the question, is it wise? Put this sticker somewhere that applies. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as they do, we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words to us today. Um, they're helpful and life-giving. And, uh, and I'm so thankful that you've preserved for us the book of Proverbs and you've given us practical wisdom for daily living. And the truth is, God, that as it relates to decisions, 
Father, we need, we need the ability to make great decisions. And, uh, and I believe that that's something that you want for all of us. And so I pray that we wouldn't simply ask the question, is it right or wrong? Of course we need to ask that. But I pray we wouldn't stop there. I pray we wouldn't ask the question, what's everyone else doing? I pray the question we'd ask is, is it wise? Is it a wise thing? Given my past, given my circumstance, given my temptation, is this wise for me to do this? Help us to ask that question. Lord, I know the truth is that as we look back at the things that we regret, um, Father, that oftentimes when we touch those subjects, it can be very hurtful. Um, Father, it can be really emotional. It can, it can really stir up a lot of guilt and shame that many of us carry. And so I just want to pray right now for those of us in this room who maybe have been stirred up. We feel the guilt in our hearts from past decisions. Lord, help us to embrace your grace because the truth is that we cannot out your grace. And there, there's, there's, there's no amount of regret in this life that you cannot erase because of your, the death of your son on the cross. You offer us full forgiveness. You offer us a clean slate. And your, the Bible says that your mercies are new every morning. And Father, today, for some of us, even though we feel like maybe we've made too, too much of a wreck of ourselves, we look back at our decisions and we feel like we've gone too far. The truth is, God, we have not. And your grace is available to us today and your mercy is new today. And you're offering us a clean start in this moment. For some of us, Jesus, we need that more than anything. And so I pray that we would embrace your grace and that we would embrace wisdom. And with those two things, that we would walk forward with confidence, that we are fully forgiven. And that, that, that God, that you love us enough that you don't just simply uh, want to save us in this life, but you want to give us wisdom to know how to navigate this life. So grant it to us, Father, I ask you. You are the author of wisdom. All wisdom rests on your son, Jesus. And so I pray, Father, that you would instruct our hearts in wisdom. Help us to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to put in practice the things that we've learned. It's not enough to just know what's wise. We have to do what's wise. So I pray that you would give us the, the wisdom to know what's right. And I pray you give us the courage to do it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.